Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Okay, so uh, today uh, we are doing part two of our uh, lesson series uh, that we are talking about the life of David uh, in First in and Second Samuel, and uh, so today we're actually going to, we're starting with King Saul in First Samuel chapter 15, if you guys would like to, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, um, follow along, I also have the verses up here on the screen. So, uh, so Saul was Israel's first king, and, and he was David's immediate predecessor, meaning which meant he was the, the king prior to David. And you might, you might be wondering, why would we start talking about Saul if we're doing a series on the life of David? And the author of the books of First and Second Samuel he, he likes to compare and he likes to contrast Saul and David. And it's, it's almost as if the author thinks that we can understand David's successes uh, and failures better if, if, we, if we compare and contrast them with Saul. And we know that Saul and David, they can both teach us a lot about our faith because we can learn from both the positive and, and the negative examples in the stories. So when the people of Israel, when they chose Saul uh, as their king, they chose him for all the wrong reasons. Uh, in first second, uh, I'm sorry, in first Samuel, sorry, our cockatiel is going to go nuts in there. He's missing us. If you guys hear him, I hope he's not a distraction. Uh, first second, first Samuel uh, chapter nine, verse two, it says of Saul that there was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So you can't help but think that Israel wanted a king that would look impressive on the world stage. Um, and Saul was very physically impressive. But the problem was that he didn't have a heart for God. So beginning in chapter 15, Samuel tells Saul to amass an army and go wipe the Amalekites uh, out. Just wipe them out. In First Samuel 15, verse 3, says this, And God was going to use Israel to bring these people to justice for their rebellion against God. Samuel's instructions to Saul, are they're very clear here in verse 3. Everything has to be wiped out, including all the animals. So Saul gets his army together, and he engages in this battle with the Amalekites, but he doesn't do what he just doesn't do what God told him to do. Uh, it says in verse 9, uh, But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So God tells Samuel that Saul has disobeyed, and that he regretted making Saul the king. So the next day, Samuel goes out to meet Saul. Listen to this. Saul says in verse 13, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. In other words, Saul just completely denies that he's disobeyed God. And Samuel replies in verse 14, And Samuel said here, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? 
So at this point, it's pretty obvious that Saul's been busted, right? <laughs> he's obviously sinned, and he's obviously rebelled against God. Saul has obviously not done um, as he was supposed to. And Saul, he has a choice. Saul has a choice. Does he recognize his sin, and does he repent of it? Or does he, does he double down on himself and do things the way he wants to do? So in verse 15... Saul says, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. So Saul's response, instead of repenting, uh, is to start blaming others. Uh, it's the soldier's fault. That's what he says, right? They're the ones who did this. Saul says, I obeyed God. I went on the mission and did exactly what God told me to do. Um, I brought back their king, Agag. I brought back the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle, um, just like God said, right? Saul denies his disobedience, and he, he rationalizes his sin, and he says, he says, look, there's a, good reason for, there's a good reason for my disobedience. I brought all this, you know, to sacrifice it back to God. And finally, in verse 30 of chapter 15, Saul says to Samuel, I have sinned, yet... Honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So, so first Saul denies it and then he shifts blame and then he justifies and now he's trying to protect himself and he's trying to, he's trying to save face. It seems that he's half-heartedly admitting his sin, saying, uh, but Samuel, you, you come back, you come back so that everybody will still like me and still respect me. Please, Samuel, you know. And one of the biggest questions I think that we can meditate on is, in our Christian lives is, is how do we respond to our sin? Um, everybody sins, but how do we respond to our sin? So I'll tell you a quick story, and I, I love that I have a lot of former military in here. We have Navy and Air Force and Army. Um, so, so a lot of you can understand this. So when we were in, in basic training, uh, I actually really tried to do the right thing. Through I was It was tough. It was down Fort Benning, and, and my drill sergeant was Satan. I still think he was Satan. He just went back to wherever Satan lives after he did our drill. He was not a fun person to be around. And uh, so... Yeah, we had the same guy. I felt like the other companies just had guys that wanted to mentor them, and my drill sergeant just wanted to kill us. But he made soldiers out of us. So, uh, so we had heard the rumor that eventually they were going to do what they call a health and wellness check. So, which is basically where they come in and they make sure that you aren't storing any kind of contraband in your area, right? And so uh, I thought, surely all of the other guys in my in my platoon would be doing the right thing. So we, for some reason, they changed the plan. We were supposed to go out and shoot the, some gun or something. And then all of a sudden we're in, we're, we're, we're supposed to be standing, you know, at ease underneath the barracks. And then they call us up to the barracks and they tell us to toe the line, which means everybody stands at parade rest against your bunk, right? And then 15, seems like 15 drill sergeants came in all of a sudden and just started tearing everything apart. They were flipping mattresses over and pushing lockers over, and they found a lot of stuff. I couldn't believe it. There were a bunch of dudes who'd stolen peanut butter packets from the cafeteria and were, like, storing them inside the walls. Like, and they were finding all this stuff, right? 
Now, they didn't find anything in mine. I mean, my socks were perfect. I had, everything was perfect. And my drill sergeant got so mad that he couldn't find anything in mine that he, mine was the only one that he completely obliterated. Like he tore my locker, threw it across the room, took everything out. And I was like, oh, it's going to take me forever to put back together. But as these guys were getting caught, they were making excuses. And I was like, how are you? You got caught, dude. Like, you know, but they didn't know what Drill Sergeant Ray, that was his name, by the way. I just have this on a recording here. Drill Sergeant Satan was going to uh, do to them. And so, uh, but it was funny how they made excuses for the wrongdoing that they did. And, and it got me also thinking, this, this story about Saul, it also got me thinking about how, um, and, you know, as we've raised our kids, and I'm not going to call out our kids or any specific stories, but it's a story that I want to tell because it's uh, the seriousness of, of as Colleen and I read through the Bible and understand how we are supposed to raise our children, we've had certain, I'll, uh, oh, I, I, I wanted to point, uh, I wanted to uh, do this right here. Okay, so this is what happens when you put contraband in your in your uh, in your locker, and that's the face that Colleen gives when she finds candy wrappers when she finds candy wrappers in one of the kids' beds. So, so one of the things that one of the it's a silly story, but one of the things we've told our kids was don't eat candy and and don't sneak candy, and we'll find candy wrappers in the beds sometimes, like as they grow up. But the kids can, uh, can attest to this. What happens when you try and make excuses with mom? Does that face come out? <laughs> yeah, that's the face that mom gives, right? That's not a good face that you want. So, so our boys and, and, and little girl here have learned very quickly, like, if we've done the wrong thing, we admit it quickly. We don't make excuses for our sin or what the wrongs that we've done. And we take it very seriously. And it, I'm saying it lightheartedly, but it's very serious that we, we start very young in our family because we want these children to know how serious the Lord takes our sin and that we don't need to be making excuses for the wrongs that we do, even when it comes to candy wrappers in our bed, right? So you see, one of the lessons, one of the lessons that we are very careful to convey to our children is the lesson that, that we have no excuse for our sins. There is no way that Colleen and I will raise our children to believe that that they have any right to shift blame or to make excuses. Uh, the quicker that the wrong is owned, the quicker we can get back to a, a right relationship with our parents and with our siblings sometimes. Those that we've just, in general, those in our lives that we've wronged with our sins. But most importantly, back into a better focus of doing what, what God wants us to do and being like Jesus. Uh, and when we see sin in our life, unfortunately, I think our first response many times is to deny um, or to shift blame or to minimize what we've done. But, but we have to remember that that's what King Saul did, right? And, and Saul's response to his sin was rebellion and it was unwillingness to repent. He was unwilling to turn away from his sin and turn back to God. And guess what? God took the kingdom from Saul. He took the kingdom away from Saul. And, and we'll see that he eventually, in our series here, we'll see that he eventually gives it to David. So what are the marks of real repentance? And well, I think it starts by just simply acknowledging our sin and understanding that our sin is rebellion against God. I got sinfully angry or I was selfish or I was complaining or I gossiped, whatever, whatever it may be. And, and sometimes it just helps... Um, 
if once we admit our sins, we just shut our mouths. Because a lot of times the next thing that comes out is, but God, the reason why I did that, right? And, and then we minimize or we shift focus away from what we've done. Um, we acknowledge that before God, or, or we can acknowledge our sin. We can acknowledge it to someone who we've sinned against. We can acknowledge how it has hurt them and not make excuses for our behavior. I'm going to move this slide over so you're not looking at the drill sergeant, scary drill sergeant. I think most importantly that we can say, God, I have sinned against you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help me focus on the way that Jesus lived and how I can, how I can be more like him and how I can focus on him. That's what we sing every Sunday, right? We sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. If Saul had repented and sought forgiveness, things might have turned out very differently, right? It might have turned out very different, differently for him, but he refused to repent, and God rejected him as king. All of us, all of us have sin in our lives. How will we respond? Is there, is there any sin that God has been convicting you of recently um, that you need to repent of to acknowledge before God and ask for his forgiveness and ask him to change you and make you into the person that he wants you to be? So let's make it our goal this week to, to pray for a better understanding of the seriousness of our sin and how we can own it, get rid of it, and, and not make excuses for it when we do when we do sin. Jesus provided a way for us out of sin, and he allows us to clothe ourselves in him in baptism so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees perfection because he sees Jesus. So let's pray that we not take advantage of his grace and mercy this week. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.